Kyle Wells, a.k.a. Wells Mania, this is John Cena, a.k.a. John Cena, saying thank you so much for supporting Elbow Grease Fast Friends. Hope you enjoy. In case you forgot, I fell off, I'm still hot, knock your shell off, my money stacked fat, plus I can't turn the swell off, the franchise, doing big business, I live this, it's automatic, I win this so you hear those horns, you finish, a soldier, and I stay under you fighting, cause I'm storming on you chumps like I'm thunder and lightning, ain't no way you breaking me kid, I'm harder than nails, plus I keep it on lock, like I'm part of the jail, I'm slaughtering stale, competition, I got the whole block wishing they could run with my division, but they gone fishing, with no bait, can't your boy hold weight I got my soul straight I'm pushing my plate cold gate In any weather I'm never better Your boy's so hot You'll never catch me in the next man's sweater If they hate, let them hate I drop they whole clan Lay your ass down for the three second ten Welcome to Wells Mania Podcast And yes Episode 70, we are celebrating the 20-year anniversary of the greatest WWE superstar of all time, John Cena! I am the Kyle Wells, the host of Wells Mania Podcast. Be sure to follow me everywhere, all over the social media, at Wells Mania. And of course, joining me live in studio, and he sat there and well Peyton what did you think of of my rapping skills there for the first verse of the time is now by John Cena I would like to go ahead and just apologize to all of the listeners that had to sit there and endure that I'm right there with you Uh, just like you almost turned the show off I almost got up and left but hey we're in this together and you know, let, let's just try to get through this this episode. There was a poll that I put out on Twitter. Should I wrap the first verse to kick off episode 70 of Wells Mania Podcast? Should I wrap the first verse of The Time Is Now by John Cena? It was a unanimous four votes to zero. Yes, you should, Wells Mania. And that's what we do here on the most underrated wrestling podcast in the world, sponsored by the Wild Beaver Saloon and the best damn toy store in all of America, toys galore, and more conveniently located inside of the toy drop. Peyton, I just give the Wells Maniacs what they want. Yeah, everyone who voted yes is is now regretting their decision. But you know what? Thank you for giving us that moment that we will try so hard to forget. This past Monday, June 27th, we celebrated 20 years of John Cena. And for those who don't know, and I don't know how you don't know this, I'm the biggest John Cena fan of all time. And if you think you're a bigger John Cena fan than me, well, you're wrong because there's nobody that's a bigger John Cena fan 
than the Kyle Wells. For the past 20 years, John Cena has inspired me. And, to I be, and I can't think of enough. To be a 30-plus-year-old toddler. I can't thank him enough because the dude is one of the biggest inspirations in my life. And he has rejuvenated my love and passion for professional wrestling. So thank you, John Cena, for giving us 20 years of hustle, loyalty, and respect. And Peyton, while we're here, let's go back to 2002 when Kurt Angle issued his open challenge. Kurt doesn't look impressed. Who in the hell are you? I'm John Cena. John Cena, huh? Will you tell me, what is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business. Ruthless aggression. (laughs) Ruthless aggression. And the rest is history, Peyton. And by the way, I totally went Cena on you like he did to Austin Theory. I ignored your little toddler comment there. I heard it, but I ignored it until now when I'm addressing it so listen it's the first of many i'm gonna be ribbing you all night long i thought that the 20 year anniversary was everything that it needed to be all the superstars and vince mcmahon vince mcmahon they gave cena his due all night long i liked the interactions that cena had with the superstars and here is what john cena had to say to all of us the wwe universe When I say WWE has prepared me for anything, I mean because of you and your reactions and your investment in me, you have made me a better human being. It's been 20 years and I'm I'm 45 years old, so I I only state that because I don't know when you're going to see me in the ring again. I'm not saying you won't, I just don't know when that's going to be. So I need, I need to say this now. It ain't just going to be one, it ain't just going to be one, don't worry about it. But I don't know when that's going to be, so I need to say this now. Anything I do outside of this is never just me just like when you chant cena it's not about me it's about us coming together this is all about we Rado, they're not just watching all over the united states they're watching all over the world let's show them what we're made of that right there is the sound of us and we never give up We're just getting started. And if you want some, come get some. All right, Peyton. So there you heard the GOAT John Cena 
not necessarily say that he won't be back, but he just doesn't know when he will be back. But we both have a pretty good idea that we're going to get Theory versus John Cena in Nashville, Tennessee at SummerSlam. But you, and you're a little bit unbiased. I'm a little more biased when it comes to John Cena. You give the listeners kind of a little bit more realistic side to things when it comes to John Cena. Because I, on the other hand, I totally put him over more than anybody else in this world puts over John Cena. So with the love comes the hate. I could see it on your face. You were not a fan of the 20-year anniversary of John Cena this past Monday night on Raw. I don't know if I'd call this one hate. This is just more of a logical critique. When I was watching the show, I liked the backstage segment with uh, Theory and Cena. I thought that was good. And then I was watching the promo, and the promo went on, and it went on, and it went on. And it was like 20 minutes of basically the same Cena promo we've heard for 20 years. And by the end of it, I'm thinking, okay, something has to happen here, right? They're not just going to make us sit through this typical Cena hype promo with nothing at the end of it. No cherry on top. And then, of course, I was wrong. And that's what, that's what I didn't like about it. So this is how I would have done it. Sure. Lay it out there. We like to fantasy book here on the Wells Mania podcast. I think there was a missed opportunity here, a missed opportunity to really put over theory. I'd have had the promo be the same. I'd had Cena leave the ring, give his shirt away, give his hat away, give his, you know, his wristbands away, all that fun stuff for the kids. And then when he's up on the stage, I would have had theory attack Cena from behind. And the reason I would have done this is because it would have immediately launched Theory into just the top echelon of heels in the company and made the rivalry going into SummerSlam that much more personal. And I wouldn't have done the the goofy phone thing or anything like that. I'd have had Theory just attack him from behind on the stage, get down and see his face and say, you know, you think you're the big time. You think you can show up here and just steal my spotlight. You want to ignore me in the back like I'm a nobody. Well, guess what, John? I'm the guy around here now. I'm the new chosen one. You're nothing but but the past. Nobody cares about you anymore. And if he would have done that and took out Cena like that on one of the biggest nights in Cena's career, his 20th anniversary. Right, right. It would have gave Theory so much heat that it would have made the rivalry so much more personal and it would have made the match so much more interesting at SummerSlam. And don't get me wrong, I think something like that's coming, but not doing it on his 20th anniversary I think was a missed opportunity. I I actually agree with you. I think that it was a missed opportunity to really capitalize on Theory. I personally am a believer in less is more. And they left us wanting more when Cena totally no-sold theory backstage. But I kind of agree with you. I think that it would have been really cool to see Theory totally attack Cena, thus giving us that match set in stone for SummerSlam. Because as of right now, we're speculating and we're predicting that that is what is going to happen. It's going to be a slow build now. And I think it started 
this past Monday night on Raw with Cena no-selling theory. So not fully giving us theory attacking Cena. I think they're going to build on that. Where and when on the road to SummerSlam is that going to happen? Cena could appear on SmackDown this Friday night. Possibly it could happen there. Or maybe Theory will just continue to egg on Cena on the road to SummerSlam and then Cena will have enough and he'll reach his breaking point and say, if you want some, come get some and we'll do it at SummerSlam. And then it'll be official. But Peyton, did you see what is going to drop on WWEshop.com in honor of 20 years of John Cena? I did not. Well, earlier on The Bump, and I have retweeted this at Wells Mania on Twitter, at the end of July, you can pre-order, and I don't know about you, Peyton, but I have a birthday coming up in August, and this would be the perfect 36-year-old present for me because I turned 36 in August. The John Cena Legacy title. Only 500 of these things are going to be made. So when the pre-order launches on WWE shop at the end of July, if you would like to buy this title for me, I will not tell you no, Uh, but I have not seen a price on it yet. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little worried that it might be a little out of my price range. I got an, why don't you just start a special Wells mania birthday GoFundMe? I don't want to do that. And then all of your subscribers can pitch in like $5 and you can buy yourself the belt. I don't want to be that guy who uses GoFundMe for that reason. I feel like GoFundMe should be applied towards things that actually matter matter yeah i agree don't buy him the belt the money needs to go to things that are more important this would just be really cool for my personal collection because go watch the video that the bump put out they've got the title it comes in this really cool chain gang basic thugonomics word life box it's got a 20 year anniversary shirt in there it's got the headband it's got i'm sorry the armband cena puts a headband on his arm that's how big his biceps are It's got the wristbands. It's got the hat. It's really cool. I have a feeling that it might be close to $1,000. And quite frankly... His last t-shirt was. Yeah. And this is coming from a guy who pretty much owns almost every single John Cena t-shirt that has hit WWEshop.com. That NFT shirt from last year's SummerSlam, that might be the one shirt that I don't own And I may never own it because I don't have $1,000 to drop on a T-shirt. Yeah, that was overpriced. And uh, I love you, John, but man, oh, man, I work in radio and I only make peanuts working here. Maybe one day I'll make Cracker Jacks, but uh, who knows? But yes, um, this John Cena legacy title, only 500 of them are going to be made. And shout out to Chris Engel, who brought this to my attention. He... uh, he messaged me earlier and said, you better start saving up now. And I think you're right, Chris. But speaking of Chris, he also blew my mind when he sent me this song, Peyton. And uh, tell me if you've ever heard this. Sounds familiar. Your time is up. My time is now. You can't see me. My time is now. 
This right here is the night the lights went out in Georgia from Pete Schofield and the Canadians. And yes, John Cena clearly sampled this for the time is now his epic entrance music. I never knew that. And as a, the biggest John Cena fan of all time, I feel like that was some knowledge that I should have already known. But thank you, Chris, because we learn something new every day, Peyton. Indeed we do. And while we're here throwing out shout-outs, I got a couple more. Shout-out to Ryan Gant. Ryan Gant has become the unofficial manager of the Wells Mania podcast. He has been throwing me creative ideas daily. He's also been working on some merch. And on the last episode of Wells Mania podcast, you threw out the idea because I, I don't know if the listeners, and I don't tell this story enough. I feel like I should tell this story more often. I once drank a PBR with John Cena. I knew that was coming. It only took this long on episode 70 to finally drop that on you. But you actually came up with the idea that I should put that catchphrase on a t-shirt. Yes, I actually have another t-shirt idea. Oh yeah, what's that? The world's greatest co-host with my name and face on it. And then maybe you could throw Wells Maney on the sleeve or the back or somewhere on there. That's not a bad idea. I mean, there are fans of you, Peyton. Guarantee it would be a top seller. It would be right up there with the I once drank a PBR with John Cena. So thank you, Ryan. I love you, brother. Thank you for caring. And yes, we're going to get the Wells Mania merch going. It is in the works, Nicholas Melvin, because I know you, coach, you and your son, you both would wear a T-shirt that said, I once drank a PBR with John Cena. And while we're throwing shout outs out there, I want to shout out to former NWA United States heavyweight champion, big time Josh Lewis. Josh works out in our gym, Peyton. I know you've seen him hulking around in there. You can't miss him. The dude is a beast. He's a big guy. Josh is a local wrestler. Obviously, he's wrestled at NWA. He's a former, I believe he's a four-time United States heavyweight champion. I mean, that's the same title that the likes of Dusty Rhodes, baby, held. And Lex Luger, we'll talk more about Lex Luger to close out this show because we're coming up on the 29-year anniversary of the Stars and Stripes Challenge. It's a Wells Mania tradition heading into the 4th of July Independence Day weekend We'll get more into that here momentarily, but shout out to big time Josh Lewis and Josh, you're more than welcome to come on a future episode of Wells Mania podcast and tell your story about your journey in the world of professional wrestling. We Peyton and I would love to have a former NWA United States heavyweight champion on Wells Mania podcast. So yes, Wells Mania merch, including Peyton's idea along with my ideas, are in the works. Stay tuned for that. When Peyton and I come back, we are going to dive into our personal top five favorite John Cena matches of all time. I cannot wait, Peyton, to see your rib fest over there. I got some good ones. Yeah, I bet you do. And we'll also break down what happened this past weekend at WWT Wrestle With This Showcase 42 you're listening to episode 70 of Wells Mania Podcast. The time is now. Come on back. So, so you, you think, think you're, you're untouchable. untouchable. Word life. 
This is basic thugonomics. Thank you so much for running wild right here on episode 70. The 20-year anniversary of John Cena special episode of Wells Mania Podcast. Co-host Peyton Payne running wild with me. And yes, Peyton, I asked you for this episode to come up with your top five favorite John Cena matches of all time. I've got my list in front of me. So starting with five and then working our way to one, we will reveal our personal top five favorite John Cena matches of all time. And all the Wells Maniacs out there listening, please weigh in on Twitter at Wells Mania or at Stone Pain Prod. What are your top five favorite John Cena matches of all time? You've got two decades worth of matches to choose from. Peyton, I'll start out here. I've got my my list right here in front of me. Coming in, actually, before we get into the top five, I'm going to give you my honorable mention matches. There's only a couple. John Cena versus Umaga, Royal Rumble 2007. It was a last man standing match. John Cena won. And this one, I personally was at Ford Field Ford and witness John Cena versus the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 23 in Detroit, where John Cena beat HBK. And that is the infamous me standing on my seat with the confetti raining down upon me as I threw up my WWE John Cena replica spinner title and I yelled to my entire section, the champ is here! And Peyton, this is back in 2007. We did things a little different back then. We didn't necessarily document everything that we did in our lives. Man, I wish somebody would have taken a picture of me or a video of me, but you got to remember this was 2007. Times were a little different back then. But J.D. Roach, Big Poppy, and the WWE Human Encyclopedia, Jared Giles, they were there with me to witness that happen so they can vouch that that did, in fact, take place at WrestleMania 23. All right. My... Well, no, we're, we're, I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead. Can I give my honorable mention? You sure can. I didn't know you had any. I have one. Go for it. Yeah. My honorable mention is John Cena versus The Undertaker, WrestleMania 34. A match that literally happened on the fly. Cena sat in the crowd at WrestleMania 34. You, one of the best like minute and a halfs of my entire life. Another win for The Undertaker at WrestleMania. John Cena put over the dead man at WrestleMania 34. Yeah. Number five on my list. And I have a feeling that this will probably be really high on yours because of the outcome, but I'm going to give due where due needs to be given coming in at number five money in the bank, 2011 John Cena versus CM Punk. That match, even though John Cena lost to CM Punk, that feud, the build, everything leading into that, and the match and the aftermath of Punk leaving with the title throughout the crowd right in front of Vince McMahon. Even though Cena lost, that match was incredible, Peyton. 
actually, you and I have the same pick at number five. Wow, look at that. John Cena versus CM Punk Money in the Bank 2011. That is a, a classic. And for the record, I have no idea what is on your list, and no. you have no idea what is on mine. So, no. wow, great minds think alike, starting out the top five hot. All right, well, coming in at number four, Peyton, I've got John Cena versus Rob Van Damn, ECW One Night Stand 2006. It was an Extreme Rules match and another match where John Cena lost. He lost the WWE title to Rob Van Dam. But the reason why I love this match so much is the hostility. The hostility in front of that ECW crowd. They did not hold back how they felt about John Cena one bit, and I loved every second of it. Even though Cena lost to RVD, RVD, one of the coolest dudes, by the way, that match was another masterpiece from John Cena's legendary future Hall of Fame career. Definitely an iconic crowd moment, that match. Uh, that match if had. Cena wins, we riot. Man, all of the uh, vulgar language that was spewed throughout that entire match, and then, of course, Edge with the spear. I mean, there was a lot of really cool moments during that match. Yeah. Uh, my number four, John Cena versus Brock Lesnar, SummerSlam uh, yeah. 2013. Uh-huh. Just, I Here mean, what, what a, Here what a great go. match. What a great moment. Sure. It was 16 suplexes. Yep. 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 I mean, mm, just yep. what a, what a thrill ride that was. You know what? Here's my positive spin on it. It was one of the greatest squash matches of all time, and John Cena was a part of it, putting over Brock Lesnar. This is fun. Coming in at number three, I've got... This almost was my number one, because this got me blocked by JBL on Twitter. Coming in at number three, John Cena versus John Bradshaw Layfield, WrestleMania 21 in Hollywood, California. John Cena won his very first WWE title. The aftermath is what really sold me. The fact that he takes the title, he goes celebrates in the crowd. It was just really emotional. You could just feel it. He had made it. He That was his very first of 16 WWE title reigns, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy JBL JBL blocked me on Twitter because I said that I loved this match so much because he got beat by John Cena. Isn't that funny that JBL blocked me because of that reason? Living his gimmick. But then we saw JBL at the Squared Circle Expo earlier this year, and he doesn't know who I am. He was pretty friendly towards me. But if I went up to him and told him, hey, man, you blocked me. Because I said that I loved the fact that John Cena beat you. He might have remembered, but uh, I was too busy, you know, meeting Ron Simmons. Because Mm -hmm. I'll be better once I meet Ron Simmons. Of course, everybody is. What is your number three top favorite John Cena match of all time? So number three is one I was actually there for live. Uh, It was SummerSlam 2008. John Cena versus Batista, which was the co-main event that night. Speaking of another person who has blocked me on Twitter. Yes. Batista. And this was actually the match that uh, John Cena 
I believe, broke his neck that night and then was out until, you know, for, for what, about a year? You are sick and twisted, my friend. He, it was sick and twisted. Cena went for the leg drop on the top rope. Batista caught him into the Batista bomb. One, two, three, and it was over, but it was a good match. I'm already blocked by Batista, but that was all Batista's fault right there. Batista injured John Cena in that match. But Cena rose up, and the comeback is always stronger than the setback. There's my positive spin once again. Coming in at number two on my top five favorite John Cena matches of all time, the 2008 Royal Rumble. You want to talk about injuries and coming back from injuries? This is my biggest markout moment in my entire 35 years on this planet. John Cena's return, entrant number 30, and he won the 2008 Royal Rumble, eliminating Triple H. My goodness, I jumped so high. I have never been able to dunk on a 10-foot goal, but if there was a 10-foot goal, basketball goal right in front of me, I guarantee you I would have been able to slam dunk on a 10-foot basketball goal that night that John Cena returned at the Garden. Once again, Big Poppy J.D. Roach and WWE Human Encyclopedia Jared Giles got to witness that firsthand. That is my number two favorite John Cena match of all time, and I cannot wait to hear what yours is, Peyton. So number two is another match I was there for live. This one was WrestleMania 27. Uh-huh. John Cena versus The Miz. Yep. This was my uh this was my first WrestleMania and you know being there in the crowd and seeing The Miz overcome just the C Nation and and achieve that that unbelievable moment that he deserved so much was just fantastic. I had a little kid next to me crying tears of happiness. And that wasn't me. And I was not the little kid crying. I, you know, it was weird because he was wearing a Cena shirt, but I'm pretty sure they were tears of happiness. No, no, no. But those, um, were, those were sad tears. But, uh, you know, it was just such a great moment. So Cena, Miz, WrestleMania 27. Which, here's my positive spin, leads me to my number one favorite John Cena match of all time. It was because of The Rock screwing over Cena at WrestleMania 27 the following night on Monday Night Raw set up once in a lifetime. John Cena versus The Rock, WrestleMania 28 in Miami, which I was there live, and I know you were too well. Well, you know well. what? I'm just going to get in there. Shockingly enough, that is also my number one John Cena match. Cena, The Rock, once in a lifetime you just had to be there to experience it. There was there was nothing else like that event. I agree, and it was, and no pun intended here, it was the most electrifying match that I have ever witnessed live. Yes, I was swerved. Personally, I thought that The Rock was going to pass the torch once in a lifetime. We didn't know we were going to get this match a year later at WrestleMania 29, so heading in to Sun Life Stadium... There was this buzz all throughout the night. Rock Cena, here we are, once in a lifetime. Cena got a little cocky there at the end. And, well, The Rock won the match, and I sunk so far into my seat there at Sunlight Stadium while everybody in my section around me were all celebrating The Rock beating John Cena. 
Well, you know, it's funny. You sunk in your seat. I jumped out of mine so high, I almost fell like three rows in front of me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't. But yeah, even though Cena lost that match, like you said, the atmosphere, the environment, Miami, South Beach, that is, to, to this day, still the greatest WrestleMania and WrestleMania trip that I've ever been on. Agreed. Hopefully, hopefully I can get back because that was the last time 10 years ago that I personally was at WrestleMania. So I am long overdue, but it's kind of funny that our number one John Cena match of all time is once in a lifetime from WrestleMania 28. So John Cena, I love you. You're my friend. The next time you're in Indianapolis, PBRs on me. Thank you for inspiring me in the WWE universe, even the haters like Peyton and all the other Wells maniacs out there who boo you. We all love you. Thank you for 20 years of entertaining us. Whether you booed him or cheered him, the man has put everything on the line inside and outside of the ring. Thank you, John Cena. I know that you said it's about us, but no, it is really about you and I can't thank you enough. So thank you for 20 years. Happy 20-year anniversary to the greatest WWE superstar of all time, John Cena! All right, Peyton. Now we can get into Wrestle With This Showcase 42. You, the executive producer of WWT, be sure to subscribe to Wrestle With This on YouTube Walk us through what happened at WWT Showcase 42. Well, first of all, Showcase 42 was a stacked deck. I mean, what a show it was. I mean, I know you watched it. I Hopefully all the listeners have watched it. What an amazing show was it started with uh, Jackson Steele's golden ticket ceremony. I love Jackson Steele. I'm loving this storyline. This is one of the funniest things going in all of professional wrestling. Jackson Steele is uh, he's riding high right now. He's got a lot of momentum. Uh, you know, he he went in there. I'm I'm honestly shocked he remembered to show up for the ceremony, but luckily he found his way to the ring. Um Unlike Mike James, who forgot the golden ticket, thankfully Dodge found it outside on the ground somewhere. I love the banter between Dodge, Pizza Crust. I'm sorry, Oban Crust. That's what uh, Jackson Steele, I, I lost it when he called him Pizza Crust. But I love the banter between Dodge and Mike James. This is comedy gold. And then you throw Jackson Steele into the mix. I want to see a segment with these three guys every single showcase moving forward. I I think Dodge, it's better than Dick Tube. I think Dodge would would highly disagree with you there. I, I don't think he wants anything to do with either of them. But because of Dodge, we got a match that followed. Jackson Steele said, "Now this is still a ways away, so I don't know if he meant it or if he just didn't realize where we at." where we're at on the timeline, but Jack Steele said he's going to use his golden ticket to cash in for his title shot all the way at showcase 50. Yeah. 50, 50, which is maybe going to be later this so year in 2022, eight episodes away. Jack Steele said he's going to cash cash in there. But then when, when Dodge explained, well, that's still a ways away. Jackson Steele said, well, I'm going to give people the opportunity that, that Tim McLaw gave me, I'm going to put my golden ticket on the line. I'm going to defend it on the road to showcase 50 and Dodge 
had an opponent lined up, apparently. He just, you know, he had Alex Vincent in the back. What Alex Vincent was doing in the Smash Mouth Arena, I don't know. But out comes Alex Vincent. The match is made. And then Dodge and Mike uh, flip a coin to decide what the stipulation of the match is going to be. and It Do- conveniently went Dodge's way. It, it did go Dodge's way. Um, conveniently. Yes, you know. There, there's there's questions there, but nonetheless, I'm pretty sure that that was a two sided coin. I agree, I agree, but you know, there we don't have the quarter anymore, so we can't prove it. Of course, the quarter's gone missing. But uh, no, but you know what? In a way, I'm kind of happy if it was a two sided coin that Dodge won because it gave Jackson Steele probably the biggest win of his career. He he defeated Alex Vincent in an awesome no disqualification match to retain the golden ticket. Hopefully he can retain it up to Showcase 50. I'm really looking forward to this golden ticket open challenge on the road to Showcase 50. I just hope Jackson Steele remembers to show up for these golden ticket mm-hmm. open challenges. Yeah. But, man, it's entertaining, and I cannot wait to see what is next. Uh, if, next up, uh, let's talk about this real quick. An announcement that has me so excited for Showcase 43. Stone Pain revealed who Rathbone's poison pick was for Pain to face. And, man, oh, man, talk about what is going to be a hard-hitting match. Stone Pain versus Zodiac. No holds barred, and Payne had some choice words for Zodiac. Yeah, choice words is an understatement. He dropped a mother effer to end that promo. It got me very excited, too, because I enjoy Stone Pain. He's got a little bit of mystery behind his character, and I cannot wait for Stone Pain versus Zodi. I think that's going to be a very, very entertaining match. And we're going to get that at Showcase 43. We are indeed. There was another match on the Showcase 42. Talk about big, big competitors here. We got Vanilla Gorilla, one of the biggest superstars that has ever graced the Smash Mouth Jungle going up against Kano. This is a rivalry and a feud that's right up there for potentially best rivalry in 2022. Yeah, well, even dating back to last year. I mean, this goes all the way back to Silverback Bash. A lot of animosity and very personal between these two. Yes, they, they've fought before. The last time that we saw these guys together before Showcase 42, Kano had attacked Vanilla Gorilla with a slapjack in Vanilla Gorilla's own gym at Smash Mouth Survival yeah, back in November. Yeah, because Vanilla Gorilla was supposed to be on Team Mega Mondo but couldn't make it because of that vicious attack. And man, I, I'm not disappointed because I know we're going to get another match out of these two, but this one ended in a double count out, which, you know, is expected. But the third match submissions count anywhere the blow-off match between these two is gonna be fire and i cannot wait and hey the the next time no 10 count is gonna save kano if vanilla gorilla locks that knee bar in so that is gonna be a battle and speaking of battles yeah the main event the main event of showcase 42 in my opinion was one of if not the hardest hitting fights in wrestle with this history. Xander DeVille 
versus Lobo Okami, who was Dick Williams' first pick in the Onslaught Trials. And I got to be honest, I thought it was going to be a one-and-done pick because that match, Xander DeVille got an ass-whooping from Lobo Okami. Yeah, Lobo Okami is a massive dude, and he made Xander DeVille, who isn't small by any means. No. He made Xander DeVille look small. He did. But Lobo Okami, when you hear those chops, you don't just hear them, but you feel them. Yes. And I know Xander uh, was definitely feeling it on his chest, but he also lost a tooth in this match. He lost a tooth. Hit him so hard that he lost a tooth. Lobo kicked DeVille so hard in the face that one of his teeth flew out. But hey... You, on the last episode of Wells Mania, stated that you wanted to see DeVille go it alone in one of these matches. DeVille did just that, and he survived in what was one of the greatest showings I think any superstar has ever had in this company. What do you have to say to Xander DeVille? He he overcame Lobo Okami. Here's what I'm going to say right here, right now, on episode 70 of Wells Mania Podcast. Way to go, Xander DeVille. You proved to me that you can, you can win a match by yourself and on your own. And you not only went out there and won, but yeah, you have a match of the year candidate right there versus Lobo Akami. Hopefully you have good dental insurance and you can get your tooth fixed. But man, I want to give you props and I want to praise where it needs to go. And it needs to go right to you, Xander DeVille. So I know you're listening to the Wells Mania podcast. Way to go, Xander DeVille. And I cannot wait to see who your next opponent will be onslaught trials match number two and for the record i'm just gonna throw this out there dick williams called me the other day and i didn't answer i don't know what he was calling me about but if he was calling me to be an opponent for xander deville no Dick Williams, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. You wouldn't want to take up that 10 grand opportunity? Listen, I could probably buy... You could buy the Cena belt. I could buy the John Cena legacy title probably for 10 grand. I mean, you'd have to beat Xander DeVille first. And it's been a while since Wells Mania has wrestled inside the Smash Mouth jungle. It's been a while since I've been in there, not saying that I couldn't get in there and beat Xander DeVille. I just don't want to take that chance because if and when I were to beat Xander DeVille I don't want Dick Williams becoming the Continental Champion again because he doesn't deserve it he didn't do a damn thing the first time and he isn't doing a damn thing the second time around so you know what I am rooting for Xander DeVille to win all of the onslaught trials and uh while we're here while we're talking about the onslaught trial who are some wrestlers out there i mentioned josh lewis former nwa united states heavyweight champion josh lewis that would be a big time match pun intended there big time josh lewis versus xander deville so i'm throwing it out there i would love to see josh lewis 
versus Xander Deville. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Dick Williams is you may not like him, but he's very intelligent. I don't like we, Dick we Williams. Know, we I know. don't like him at all. But the point I was going to make was he's very intelligent and he has a whole lot of connections. And if Lobo Okami was just trial number one, I can't even imagine what is next within the next four trials. What is What does Dick have lined up for Xander DeVille? Because you know it's not going to be easy. Well, there's only one way to find out, and that is to follow at SmashMouthWWT on Twitter, Instagram, Wrestle With This on Facebook, and you have to subscribe to Wrestle With This on YouTube. That is the only way you will be able to see all of the amazing underrated action that comes to you from the Smash Mouth Arena. Wrestle With This when we come back, Peyton, you and I are going to dive into the season finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's amazing. It was incredible. And we are going to preview Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2, which drops Friday. I cannot wait. You can't either. When we come back, we're going to dive into all that. You're listening to Episode 70 of Wells Mania Podcast. Co-host of the Wells Mania podcast, Peyton Payne here. You are listening to episode 70, the 70th anniversary edition of the Wells Mania podcast. And it is time to go into personally my favorite segment that we have been doing, and that is the Obi-Wan Kenobi recap. Wells, are you ready for this? I am ready for this, and yeah. The season finale, part six of Obi-Wan Kenobi, was a masterpiece. It was perfection! It was indeed perfection. I hit the post right there. I don't know if you could get more perfect. I mean, this Unless literally... Unless Kurt Henning showed up. That, if he was in the episode or played a stormtrooper and in quick... Imagine Kurt Henning as an Inquisitor. That would have been amazing. And ghosts can't appear in Star Wars. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yes. Because a ghost appeared at the end of the finale. I feel like we should give everybody spoiler warning if you have not seen the finale of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. That is the only warning you are going to get because I am about to drop into some heavy spoilers in about three, two, one. Oh my God, that fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader was everything I needed as a Star Wars fan. As a matter of fact, I have some audio. Would you like for me to play it? Play it. Anakin. Anakin's gone. I'm what remains. Vader's helmet. Yes. Half blown off. Cracked. Took a lightsaber to the face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Anakin. You and McGregor is so good. For all of it. You can feel the emotion during this scene. 
I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. Goosebumps. The same way I will destroy you. And my friend is truly dead. Goodbye. Darth. Fun fact there I'll point out in a minute. Chilling. Absolutely chilling. Chills all the way up and down my body. Fun fact real quick about uh, Obi-Wan calling Anakin or Vader Darth. In episode four, the original Star Wars, A New Hope, in the the scene with Vader and Obi-Wan, Vader says, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. And Obi-Wan replies, only a master of evil, Darth. And everybody for years thought, that's weird. Why would he just call him Darth? Because that's just a, a Sith-like title, like Sir or anything, you know. So why would he call him that? So I loved that they brought that back. And in Obi-Wan's eyes at the end of this conversation, it all makes sense. He's like, you're not Anakin Skywalker. Anakin's dead. And to me, you're not even worth calling Vader at this point. So you're just, just, you're just Darth. And it, it's almost a jab, but it was so well-placed. I loved it. Yeah, and everything about that lightsaber duel between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi was, in my opinion, perfection. It was perfect. And I loved uh, when the, the helmet got cracked, how yeah. they they overlaid James Earl Jones With and Hayden, Hayden Christensen. Christensen. Yeah. Yes, they put them together. And it was, oh, it was just perfect. I love that. And I wanted to play that entire piece right there because it needed to be played. But go back to Disney Plus, do yourself a favor and rewatch that scene because the visual, the visual of Vader's helmet and seeing his face and hearing, like you just said, the hybrid of James Earl Jones and Hayden Christensen. That's incredible theater right there. It was. Honestly, that might be one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars history, and I think a lot of people might would agree with me on that after seeing that scene. It was just it was just so good. I've got another piece of audio because there was another scene, and this, this came after that Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi lightsaber duel. Take a listen. You seem agitated, my friend. He will not evade me again. I wonder if your thoughts are clear on this 
Lord Vader. Perhaps your feelings for your old master have left you weakened. If your past cannot be overcome, Kenobi means nothing. I serve only you, my master. That right there is where Darth Vader officially I agree becomes Darth I, Vader. I was actually about to say that, you know, in wow. in the entire build up to the show, they never played the Imperial March, they never played Vader's theme song, and in that moment, it when I watched it, it hit me. I'm like, "Oh my god. This is the moment that he truly becomes Vader." It wasn't in the 10 years prior, it wasn't even when he originally had the mask put on. Internally, this was the moment because now he's just a puppet for the Empire. Yep. He's like the things that were holding him back were the grudges of Anakin Skywalker. And now that he's let go of those grudges, only Vader remains. It was perfect. And the Emperor. I'm telling you. The incredible Ian McDermott. Oh, my goodness. And the line, talking about you got to move on from the past, that really struck a chord with me because it was in that moment where I was like, this is it. I mean, this is Darth Vader becoming Darth Vader, and we know, we know what is about to happen in A New Hope, and we got it right there. Like you said, Darth Vader was born right then and there yeah no vader vader was born right there we know what he does in the original trilogy and you know speaking of the original trilogy that brings me to another part of the episode which i was a little concerned about going into this and this was the whole reva storyline with luke skywalker yes yes and i do have another piece of audio which i am saving for what you're about to get into yeah so it, this part of the episode, I enjoyed it, but it was a little weird for me because I thought, how is she on Tatooine already like moving around? Like she just got stabbed. She the got stomach. there very fast. She did. And I thought that kind of makes the moment where Vader sticks her in the gut with the saber a little less important because I'm like, well, now every, I mean, the Grand Inquisitor did it. Now she's done it apparently twice in her life. You know, I'm like, well, can everybody survive lightsaber shots to the gut now? Well, not everybody. Well, not everybody. Qui-Gon Jinn didn't survive. He couldn't do it. And I guess it goes to the line the Grand Inquisitor said where uh, revenge does wonders for the will to live and only Darksiders really use the power of revenge, which is why she is still alive. But she was definitely not in good shape. And she goes to Tatooine. She's looking for Owen. I'm still a little confused on how much Reva actually knows. Does she know that Luke is Vader's son? Or is she just assuming? Like, that was never really cleared up in the episode. She knows that Luke is very important. Yes. So without truly knowing why... I just think, no pun intended, she went with whatever she had left in her gut yeah. to go 
to Luke Skywalker. Speaking of guts, Uncle Owen and and you know I I assumed he was kind of tough, but man, Aunt Beru is like they held their own. Is is has got to be one of the toughest people in the galaxy. I mean, she had a, a weapon stash hidden behind that plant, and even Uncle Owen was like, "I didn't know you had those yeah. there." You know, so she knew that day was going to come. She was prepared, and a moment that I didn't think we were going to get, but we got was the interaction between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker. And as a matter of fact, Peyton, I've got that audio for you right here. Hello there. You had to have it. Nostalgia. You got the catchphrase there. I believe that is the third time now that we have heard Obi-Wan say hello there. Perfect timing. I've said perfect a lot, but literally that was yeah. the perfect place to use it. This episode was so well done, and it was a nice, it was a nice finale. It was a yeah. great way to wrap up this series. The series has been incredible, and hopefully we're going to get a season two. I don't know if we are or not. We might get a spinoff with Darth Vader. I would say we're going to get a spinoff of Reva. Or Reva. Reva is still out there. She's still alive. We know by the end of the episode, she didn't kill Luke. Uh, She let the good within her overpower the evil. She didn't become what Anakin became. And luckily they played it off. And I don't believe Luke ever actually saw her using her lightsaber. They did a, they made it a point to like his back was turned during all of it. Yeah. So that was kind of a fun way to like keep him out of the loop. But I guarantee you we're going to get more of Reva, maybe her own show. I would love a Vader spinoff. I think we deserve it. I would agree. And, you know, not that we need it, but. I would be open to an Obi-Wan Kenobi season two of just him training with Qui-Gon because finally. Yes, I'm glad you brought this up. Finally, Qui-Gon showed up. Here we go. Well, took you long enough. Beginning to think you'd never come. I was always here, Obi-Wan. You just were not ready to see. Come on. You've got a ways to go. What a powerful. And that's it. Yeah. What a powerful line from Qui-Gon. Yeah. Got to see the force ghost of Qui-Gon Jinn. Full-fledged force. Liam Neeson coming back to play Qui-Gon is a great moment. But no, what a powerful line from Qui-Gon. Because it really goes into a lot of how a lot of people need to look at the real world. You know, everybody is blinded by what they want to achieve or what their future holds instead of looking at the here and now and the truth. And, you know, is the truth is right in front of most people's faces. They just, they're not ready to see it. So what, what a great master apprentice moment there from Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan to close out the show. Well, I definitely cannot wait to see what is next, but I will ask you everything that we now know leading into a new hope it really makes you have a better appreciation for Obi-Wan Kenobi seeing Luke and Leia reunited yes. and then realizing my work here is done. Luke and Leia are united. The force is strong. The Jedis are in good hands. I can now become Luke Skywalker's 
force ghosts. Yeah, and and it really it adds so much more intel to that moment of when he just lets himself get sacrificed by Vader. And real quick, you want to bring up appreciation. I, I we can't end this without just saying how much I appreciated young Leia in this series. Uh, there was a moment that we kind of skipped over, so I'm going to mention it real quick. I loved, loved, loved the scene with Obi-Wan and young Leia on Alderaan where he tells her about her mother and about her father. Yeah. And it, it really adds so much more. I've mentioned it before, but it adds so much more to the thought that one day Leia will name her son after Obi-Wan, after Ben. It's just such a great Great moment and great storytelling. I agree. Phenomenal. Well done. And I cannot wait to see what becomes of Obi-Wan Kenobi moving forward on Disney+. Plus. And now, you have reached one of my favorite parts of Wells Mania podcast talking about stranger things. And yes, this is Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. We have patiently waited and finally this Friday we are getting volume 2 season 4 episodes 8 and 9. Chapter 8, Papa. Chapter 9, The Piggyback. I don't know if I'm ready, Peyton. Two episodes, but over four hours in length. I don't know if I'm ready because the trailer and all of the the fan theories that have been floating out there, we're going to get some major deaths. Well, and I got something to add to that. I don't know if you saw this. But last week, the Duffer brothers, who are the creators of Stranger Things, had an interview with Screen Rant, and they were asked the question about possible character deaths, and they simply responded with, and I quote, we promise you there will be a body count in the back half of season four. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little worried about that. Uh, As of right now, Nancy Wheeler is in... The Upside Down with Vecna. And we have seen that Dustin and Eddie are going in after her, uh, allegedly. I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily. Well, Steve too. Yeah, Steve. All the kids are going in. Lucas and Max and uh, Mike. I mean, they're all going to be going in there. Will, maybe Jonathan, Argyle. I mean, they're all going to go in the Upside Down. Might as well, but. I don't really know what is going to happen. And I have heard so many theories that Vecna is L's real father. I've heard that Mike, I'm sorry, Will is going to die because people couldn't remember his birthday. His barber's forgotten about him. So might as well go ahead and kill off his character. The dude suffered enough. I honestly don't know what the hell's going to happen. But I'm ready for whatever is going to happen. I'm going to stick with my prediction I had, and that is I think Steve is going to be the one to bite the bullet. As much as I don't want that to happen, I think that that would be a death that would really rock the core of Stranger Things and all of us fans because we've grown to love Steve Harrington, the the ultimate babysitter. 
And I think that we could possibly be losing him. Well, and I think out of everybody, I mean, his story is kind of culminated the most. I don't, there's really not a lot more. I think that his character needs to achieve. He's already had his full fledged redemption arc. So him sacrificing himself for either Nancy or Dustin, I just think it'd be the perfect ending for his character. He's already in rough shape, so... I cannot wait to see what song Eddie Munson is jamming and playing to avoid Vecna. There's been a lot of speculation. A lot of people think it's going to be Metallica, Master of Puppets. Other people think it's going to be Journey Separate Ways. I've heard Europe's Final Countdown... Uh, it could be John Cena's The Time Is Now, but unfortunately that was not around in Maybe it's an original hit. Maybe it's his own song. I that I think that right there, that scene is what I am looking forward to the most just because of how legendary and epic that is going to be. And I can't wait for Lucas to beat the hell out of that Jason kid, the basketball player, that that fight in the attic is going to be pretty cool too to see. So here's here's the big question: Do we get a showdown? Do we get a fight one more time? This time, full powered Vecna. Do we get a fight with Vecna and Eleven? I have said this: We're going to get yes, we're going to get a fight, but it will not be the end. Yeah, it will not be the end. It's going to carry over into Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. When we get Darth Vader and Obi-Wan one, one last time. I'm, I'm sorry. We get Vecna and L one last time. It's going to happen in season, season five. five. It's going to happen in Empire Strikes Back is basically what you're saying. But that is what I have been getting is one was Anakin Skywalker. Vecna is Darth Vader. Yeah. That's why I that's and- why I said that I have a feeling that, you know, if the Duffer brothers really want to hit that Star Wars nostalgia... L, I am your father. Well, and and that would make the mind flayer Emperor Palpatine. Exactly. The similarities are there. There's your tie-in with Obi-Wan Kenobi leading into Stranger Things. But man, my girlfriend and I, we went back and we binge-watched seasons one through three. And we also went back and re-watched all seven of the episodes from season four we are so hyped and thrilled. And when I get home Friday night, her and I are diving in to chapters eight and nine. So, babe, I hope you're ready for almost four hours of Stranger Things that <laughs> might carry over into Saturday. But I can't wait, Peyton. I'm excited. I am looking forward to whatever happens. I am bracing myself, and we are getting it on Netflix this Friday, Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2. And when Peyton and I come back, we are going to dive into Money in the Bank. We're going to give you our predictions, and we're also going to celebrate the 29-year anniversary of Lex Luger body slamming Yokozuna for the United States of America. You're listening to episode 70 of Wells Mania Podcast. Thank you so much for running wild with Peyton Payne and Wells Mania right here on episode 70 of Wells Mania Podcast. And this Sunday, sorry. This Saturday, 
July 2nd at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Paradise, Nevada. WWE Money in the Bank. It's on a Saturday, Peyton. They love doing these Saturday pay-per-views now, don't they? It threw me off. I said Sunday. I meant Saturday. And we're getting arguably a pretty solid pay-per-view. I always look forward to Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank's always fun because it's just one of those matches that you're like, some crazy stuff's going to happen. And we have seen a lot of crazy things. John Cena, a three-time Money in the Bank winner. And there still is an open spot in the men's Money in the Bank match. So maybe John Cena will be the final participant. We'll get to that here momentarily. But I'm going to run through the card in no particular order. Peyton and I are going to break down what we think is going to happen this Saturday at Money in the Bank. And let's start with Theory. The United States champion versus Bobby Lashley. What do you got here, Peyton? This is a tough one for Theory because they've really been pushing Lashley as of late, but I got to say Theory has to retain here. I think Theory's going to win this match in some sort of cheating fashion. I really think that they're going to keep the U.S. title on him for SummerSlam, possibly against John Cena, but I don't think that Theory is going to win this one cleanly but he is going to win the match regardless, yeah. and he will retain the United States title. The tag team championship match for the undisputed WWE tag team titles, the champs, the Usos, Jimmy and Jay Uso, versus the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. I don't see the tag titles changing hands here. I think the Usos are going to retain. I this is an easy retention I think for the Usos it's it's I mean at least the tag titles are on the card so that's good but I just don't see any way the Street Profits are walking out with the belts gotta keep the bloodline strong and that's how you do it you have the Usos retain the undisputed WWE tag team titles Ronda Rousey the Smackdown Women's Champion in case you forgot she is defending her title against the boat, the best of all time, Natalia. I do not see the title switching hands here. Ronda Rousey will retain the SmackDown women's title. I hope Natalia gets on a boat and sails so far away from my TV screen, I never have to see her again. So I hope Ronda just obliterates her. Well, the Raw Women's title is on the line. Bianca Belair is the Raw Women's champion. She is going up against former Money in the Bank winner, Carmella. Will Carmella be money at Money in the Bank and take the Raw Women's title from Bianca Belair? You're shaking your head no. I agree with you. Bianca Belair will retain the Raw Women's title. Is Yeah, no, there's no way Carmella's winning. That takes us. We're, we're really flying through this card. Going it's a pretty very fast. easy, predictable card, though. I mean, to be honest, we've got the women's Money in the Bank ladder match for a women's championship match contract. Lacey Evans versus Alexa Bliss versus Liv Morgan versus Raquel Rodriguez versus Asuka versus Shotzi versus Becky Lynch. Who out of those women? 
competitors in this women's money in the bank ladder match jumps out at you? Who might grab that briefcase? I will tell you who I want to win and Shotzi. who and who I absolutely don't want to win. Who don't you want to win? Lacey the, Evans? Becky Lynch. Becky. I'm over Becky. I'm over all the members of the four horsewomen. Build new talent. Get them off of the TV. Becky Lynch does not need this briefcase, and she just needs to go away for a while. I, I don't think Becky will win. Uh, I would really love for Shotzi and to Shot- win. Shotzi is my pick. I think out of everybody in this match, the one that the people would like to see the most, and just for personal sake, because you and I both know Shotzi. Right, right. So, Friend of the Wells Mania podcast. Yes, we've worked out with her in the gym multiple times. We've supported her. I just would love to see her pull it off and get that moment. I agree. I, I think Liv Morgan is going to win the money in the bank here, but I would really love it if Shotzi did win. But my official pick is Liv Morgan. And that takes us to the men's money in the bank ladder match for a world championship match contract. The competitors are Seth frickin' Rollins versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus versus Omas versus Sami Zayn versus Riddle and versus one last competitor, which I'm sure we're going to find out this Friday night at SmackDown. Now, out of all of the men's competitors, who jumps out at you that might grab the briefcase? I've got my theory. Okay, well, hit me with your theory first. So it's going to be a little deja vu here, okay? And I even said this on the last episode of Wells Mania podcast before Seth Rollins was officially in the Money in the Bank ladder match, I said that Seth frickin' Rollins is going to win the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, and he's going to cash in at SummerSlam during the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar main event undisputed WWE title match and pull a WrestleMania 31. It's going to be deja vu, but instead of Rollins swinging the WWE title, he's going to be swinging both titles above his head. And that is how SummerSlam is going to end. And that Peyton and all of the Wells maniacs out there, that is what you call money in the bank. I would agree with you. I do think Seth is going to win this match, being that Cody is no longer going to be in the match. I think Seth is the only name that really makes any sense. But just for the sake of of having fun, and because I like the fantasy book, I'm going to throw a wild card out there. We like wild cards. I want to see Omos win it. Yeah. I would like to see him just throw the ladder to the side, not even use it, just reach up there and grab the briefcase. I mean, the dude is over seven foot tall, but I think he might need that ladder because you're going to... He could jump. You might have to be the world's tallest man, which I believe was uh, eight foot 11. All he's got to do is jump a couple feet. I'm going to look that up real quick. Omos wins money in the bank and then goes on to fight Roman... Roman hadn't fought Omos before. It's somebody that can really throw Roman around, and, you know, it it would be fun. The world's tallest man was Robert Wadlow, and he stood an astonishing 8 feet 11 inches. 8 feet 11! It's pretty big. That's a giant man! Pretty big. That is a massive monster of a man. 
Omas, by the way, is seven foot three. Robert Wadlow was eight foot eleven. You so, want to talk about a guy who could just reach up there and grab the briefcase? It would have been Robert Wadlow, but unfortunately, he died back in 1940. So he doesn't even know I, I got what a, WWE's Money in the Bank even is. I got a fun question for you. Do yes. You, do you think at any point in this match we're going to see somebody use Omas as a ladder? Now that would be really cool. Uh, that I like that. That's a pretty creative spot right there. I could see potentially somebody running up Omas or climbing up Omas. There's gonna have to be some fun spots with Omas, but no, I, my wild card pick just just to could have be fun. Riddle. I could see Riddle doing something silly like that. Yeah, it, you know, I I I don't really think that this is gonna be that big of a shocking match, but I you know I think the predictable outcome is Rollins, but they could always swerve us. They've done it before. But those right there are Peyton and Wells Mania's predictions for Money in the Bank this Saturday. Tweet at Wells Mania your predictions. Who do you think is going to win the matches at Wells Mania on Twitter? Now, before we go home, Peyton, we are celebrating the birth of the United States of America next Monday, July 4th, Independence Day, our Independence Day, and I'm proud to be an American. I know that uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the United States of America right now, but I am still proud to live in the best damn country in the entire world, the United States of America. And heading into Independence Day, you got any fun plans with your family or friends? Other than watching portions of Money in the Bank, and I mean portions because I don't know if I'm going to sit through the whole card. Uh, no, I just got some cookouts, so, you know, the typical 4th of July burgers, hot dogs on the grill, that kind of fun stuff. Same here, same here. Uh, friend of the Wells Mania podcast, my brother-in-law, Brandon Jackson. He's celebrating his birthday, June 30th, which is tomorrow. Uh, however, because it's a Thursday night, we're going to go ahead and loop it in with his wife, celebrating her birthday this weekend. So happy birthday, Brandon and Rachel, and happy birthday, Taylor Jackson as well. I uh, love you guys, and I can't wait to spend this weekend with you and our families. It's going to be a fun time. I cannot wait for that. But before we go, we are going to close out episode 70 of Wells Mania Podcast, celebrating the 29-year anniversary back in 1993 aboard the USS Intrepid, the Stars and Stripes Challenge, Lex Luger, Body Slammed, Yokozuna. Until next episode, be sure to follow Peyton Payne on Twitter at StonePayneProd. Follow me all over everywhere at Wells Mania. Thank you all so much for the love and the support. Stay positive. Run wild. God bless the USA. I'm proud to be an American and dominate the day. And Lex Luger began to prepare. Prepare, yes, for the slam. Prepare for the attempt. And the look of intensity in his eye told the whole story. And then from there it happened. The 550-pounder charge. Luger ducking out of the way. Nailing your goes over the six-inch steel plate in the forearm. And from there, yes, yes. Pa!
with what it's all about. America and Lex Luger would not be denied the celebration of her birthday. Thousands of fans on board the USS Intrepid saluting the great country we live in and saluting one of the great competitors who stepped forward to be counted on July 4th, Sunday, America's birthday. Dude.